Good morning. Um, Pastor Ilma, you must have great faith in me to have called me. You know, when she called me, I was in class. And when I saw the missed call, I knew. I knew what she was going to ask, even before I read the text. Because God has put it in my heart already before the time. You know, God tends to speak to us. And at times we don't take note of it. We've had, for example, a colleague whom we, um, who passed away, and we buried her yesterday. But how she told people she will not make it to Kietmans, and how she sang, and how she, the stuff that she said. And I realized, wow, this God that we serve is truly awesome. I want to share quickly, I know today is Mother's Day, and I want to extend a blessing to all mothers today. And pray that God will truly give you the desires of your heart. I want to share just a very short word different from our message today to those who do not have their moms with them. You know, yesterday we heard in Psalm 23, which is when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. And it's the, the pastor said, stay there. Stay there. Because that is where you get your healing. That is where your cup will run over. It's in the valley. It's not when you're out of it. So for those who don't have your moms with you today, run to God. Run into him. Run into him. Clothe yourself with God. And stay in that valley until you are completely healed. And then for today I'm going to call on shelter to assist me. Miss England, yeah, must I put this on? Okay, I'm like the official Ruth reader. <laughs> okay, so we're reading again from chapter one. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Opa and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malan and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought that there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to, to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them 
No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Opa kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she said to them. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Thank you, Shelton. Last week, we started on the book of Ruth, and we heard about Ruth. Who was this Ruth, really? You know, we've read the, no- the story, almost said the novel, the story so often. And you've seen the word, a Moabite. She said, a Moabite, a Moabite, a Moabite. But last week, Pastor Ephraim showed us, Moabite, there was a certain reason why it was mentioned. She's from Moab. And it was a tribe who received a curse. But how God uses this woman to fulfill his plan. And today, I want to focus specifically also on Ruth and Naomi. And I've, when I spoke to God, or this is what God told me, I need to focus on that we need to return to God. So today, allow me to share, not what God has in store for you. It's not for you. I'm simply sharing with you what God has in store for me. And I'm inviting you on my journey. In Ruth chapter 1, we learn about the famine in Bethlehem. We were also told it was a period of of judges. And we had this vicious circle. It was explained last week as well. And then we heard also the famine was as a result of the sin. And at this time, Ruth and is a family, they leave. So we are introduced to Naomi. She knew God. She was a submissive wife. When her husband said, we need to move, she packed up and moved. We don't know. The Bible doesn't state that she had objections, but I'm sure she must have had. She was a mother of two sons. So she knew what it was to be separated from family. Because even though any woman's desire is to raise your children amongst your family, she had to pick up and take them away from family to this foreign land. She was also a mother-in-law. God extended to her two daughters. But we find in 
verses 1 to 4 of chapter 1, we find that although, although Naomi received these daughters, and it seemed like their life is blessed, it wasn't. And I realized is that what happened to Naomi was the fact that when they moved from Bethlehem to Moab, when they moved, they moved away from the covering that was in Judah. And you can move away from the covering. When we step away from God, we separate ourselves from God. And we can't expect blessings while we are removed from God. It's not possible. And I'm sure you have seen it. And this is where death steps in. She not only loses her husband, but she loses her sons as well. So her family is destroyed. And then she sits with these two daughters. And she packs up, and then she decides to go back. And what I've learned from that is that she is the one who changes her name, not God. God didn't change her name. You see, what happens is that she was the one who enjoyed the blessings. But when they moved, there was no church. There was no fellowship. The importance of fellowshipping with fellow Christians is so important for your faith to grow. Their faith couldn't grow in Moab. Who else, who other Christians were there in Moab? I found the only person's faith who grew while they were in Moab was Ruth's. And we will come back to that. I'm sure you've also re- you've noticed already, when people are in a fix, they know who the Christians are. Because then they want to look for a Christian. This happened now. Oh, goodness, I'm going for, I must sit for this exam. Or I must go and I have this appointment. Or I must go see the doctor. I'm waiting for results. Please pray for me. And at that moment, you feel God will not hear me. Why? Because sin removes us from God. That we become dependent on other people's prayers for us. The consequences of sin, as it was seen, Jesus Christ treats us all the same. When his people committed sin, they were punished. The famine was there. It was to restore them to him. Ruth changed her name because she felt that her name, Naomi, means pleasant. But she set aside something which was pleasant to take on bitterness. God didn't change her name. God never said you are unworthy to be called Naomi. It was a decision she had made on her own. And oftentimes, we turn from God thinking, my sin is too big. Man, if you have to hear what I've done wrong, then I will just save Jesus the problem or the worry or the hassle to deal with me. But that's a lie from the enemy. And that is why we are warned in John 10.10. 10. 
It says the thief comes only to steal. And as if that is not enough, to kill and to destroy. In this world, any temporary pleasures that takes the place of Jesus Christ will result in us missing out on our eternal glory. Is it worth it? Too often we place such a high value on temporary pleasures. But we need to evaluate that ourselves. And when you are in a comfort zone, thinking, it's okay, God, I'll spare you the hassle, then you should be worried. Because David, what made him a man after God's own heart? He fled to God. Whenever he did something wrong, it was that I have to flee to God. God is my redeemer. Don't run to people. Don't run to people when you have done something wrong. Flee. Flee. I don't know if you know the concept to flee. I remember when I grew up and um, during, um, and the uh, Raman trucks used to come and the Caspers and the police used to come with the tear gas and stuff. You had to flee from school. Flee. That is what we need to do. We need to flee to God. The name change. Naomi changed her name from Naomi to Mara. But, but when God changes our names, a name change is supposed to be life-giving. That's why there's value in the name that you carry. There should be redemption in that name. When you have a name, there should be, it must transform you. Shakespeare asked, what is in a name? That's why there's value in a name. Watch the names that you give your children. What is the meaning of your name? You know, in Rwanda, because of the genocide, they actually allowed, the government allowed the people to change their names. Because the names that were given to them was as a result of the oppression and the suffering they had during, that, during the genocide. Imagine to grow up being called cockroach. Yeah. Or enemy. Every time people call you by that name, it's a curse that is pronounced on your life. That's not what God does. When our God changes a name, he transforms you. And not only does he change your name, but he also changes your role in this life. For example, we have in Genesis 17, 5 to 6, Abraham became Abraham. So from exalt, the God who exalted father to father of many. Sarai and Sarah, they both means a princess. But her name was changed to indicate that she will be a mother. A mother at that age. She will be a mother. We have Jacob who was changed to Israel. He used to be the holder of the heel, almost a deceiver. But his name was changed to one who has prevailed with God. And that prevailed, it means to overcome. It means to triumph. But not over God. It says with God. And in that lies the secret. Israel's refuge was the fact that 
they had to prevail with God. Simon, flesh and blood, son of a rock, son of John, became the rock. The church, the rock on which the church was built. See the difference? When God changes a name, there's blessing in store for you. We need to return to God. In Ruth, then chapter 1, verse 6 to 9, Naomi decides to return to the land of Judah. And then it's almost as if this bitterness compels her. I can't even take you with me. She wants to isolate herself. She doesn't want to take them along with her. And then she sets them free. And what stood out for me is that when we make a decision to return to God, it must be wholeheartedly. You see, maybe Naomi thought if she went back to Israel with these two Moabite women, that she might have to explain or to carry their little gods with as well. She had to set herself free and go to God. And it's so significant that she went back empty-handed. We can never buy our redemption from God. We can never do enough works or serve enough to justify us passage to heaven or even to get God's a smile from God or God's approval. Never, never by works or deeds. We must come empty before God. Come before God with what you have, the nothing. And let him do the transformation. Maybe it will result in you have to break up a relationship. Maybe you're in a wrong relationship. Maybe you have the wrong set of friends. Maybe you're working in the wrong place. Anything that keeps you from returning to God, you need to separate yourself from it. But see what God does. He honors Naomi. Naomi's transformation started when she decided to leave Moab for the promised land. And there's two words that I want to highlight. In the, we read in, in chapter 1, we read, she leaves the place, she leaves Moab, and then she goes to Bethlehem, the land of Judah. You have to leave. You can't take with you. When you return to God, you can't take things with you. You must leave it behind. And it's not easy because we've become attached to our bad habits. But those bad habits need to be left behind so that we can enter. Chapter 1 ends off on a high note of praise. She enters Bethlehem. At the time, at the beginning of the barley harvest. This woman who's coming to this land empty. She comes to her God empty-handed. And what does he do? He shows off. In the land where there was famine. You have the barley crop everywhere. He shows off. This is what happens when you come to me. You see, God transforms Naomi. Because she left behind and decided to cleave on to Jesus. Her life changes further in chapter 1. 
She's destitution and then she gets security and hope. She lost her sons and her husband. But what does God do? He shows off. He shows off. And he gives her Obed. And we heard that Obed, then we get David. And then we get Jesus Christ. This is what God does. Naomi's transformation, her despair is turned into happiness. She came there bitter. But God changed her bitterness. She came empty. She said in, chapter, in verse 21, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. God doesn't want anything from us other than obedience. Can we bring him obedience? That's all he wants from us. Not your works, nothing. Then we have something phenomenal that happened. In verses 16 to 17, it says, But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. This declaration from this woman who was not even raised in Israel, this declaration brought about a change in Naomi's life, in Naomi's future, in our future. The fact that because of Ruth, we Gentiles could enter into the kingdom But it started off with this declaration. She vowed she will do. She will commit herself to Naomi. Why did she do it? Why did she make this vow, this pledge, this promise? And sadly, in our society, too often we make pledges that we don't keep. We were challenged again this morning to make a pledge towards the building. Let our yes be yes. You see, she made this pledge or this oath because Ruth believed in Naomi's God. She never had an experience with God, but she believed in Naomi's God enough to to leave her family behind and follow her. I read that to believe, to believe is just to believe. But I was challenged by this. And it's found in my husband's Bible. Okay. And they said, to believe means you must have knowledge of something. That knowledge must be coupled with conviction. Now, when I looked at the word conviction, there were two interesting definitions of it. The one said, conviction, you either declare your guilt or conviction also refers to that which determines how I live my life. It also refers to my commitment to God's word. So when we have knowledge, and Friday we heard 
We need to have knowledge of God's word. When you have that conviction, that helps you to trust in God. And that combination equals to faith. So Ruth had faith. She not just believed. Ruth had faith in Naomi's God. She didn't know what awaited her, yet she believed in Naomi's God. In John 1, 12, we hear, to believe, I highlighted, to believe in red. It says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name. He did what? No. He changed your title. He changed your title. Your name was changed. Because now you became a child of God. That is what God has done. Because you have believed. Romans 10, 9, 10 and 9 to 10 also says, it highlights also, we confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth. With your mouth, the importance of your mouth, that you are saved. It must come from us. Ruth made a declaration. She spoke it out. We must be careful of the things that we speak in this world. We need to change the way we speak and the things that we say to one another. And mothers, especially to our children. We need to guard what we tell them. In a novel, When I Lay My Isaac Down by Carol Kent, shortly this novel is about her faith being tested. These people, they only had one child. He went to the Navy. He's a model child. He was a model son. He gets married, and then he comes home one day, and he kills his ex-wife's husband, and he's sent to prison, and he has to await trial. And she hears the news This woman who had lived all her life for Jesus Christ. She speaks to other people. She serves in ministry. And this is what happens in her home. And the question that she asks is, where was God? God, where were you when this horrible thing had happened? Why didn't he get a puncture? Or why didn't something happen to his car? How could you allow my son to go through with this evil deed? We question God when bad things happen. Naomi said God punished her. We question. But this woman's testimony, what she went through, is an example of having faith in God. Naomi only focused on the mistakes that she has made. Only on the mistakes. And that's why that led her to change her name. But you know, Freedom comes in Jesus Christ because he changed the tides in our lives. There's no condemnation. You just come empty-handed to Christ. There's no condemnation. He doesn't hold it against you, but you have to come wholeheartedly. He helps those. God helps those who are being tempted. But it's only those who are in him. That's why Romans 8, 
Acht 28 verse 8 says, God worketh all things together for the good for those who are found in him. The one translation says, you can't enjoy the benefits of God if you are not in him. You see, my redemption comes or came when Jesus redeemed me on the cross. I was redeemed on the cross. I was bought with a price. There's more value attached to me, even though I think nothing of myself. But God thought enough of me that he gave his only son for me. And all I need to do is I need to accept God's love and believe in it, which means I must entrust my life to God's truth, which is in John 1 verse 12. That I have become a child of God. That is the truth we need to hold on to. Ruth, her love for Naomi is an expression of God's love for us. She left everything behind to take care of her mother-in-law. God gave us his very best for us. And what did Jesus do? He went to the cross for us. Boaz pronounced a blessing on Ruth's life. Why? It was because of her commitment to her mother-in-law. And that is what happens in our lives. When we are obedient and committed to God, we can experience blessings in our lives. That comes because of our commitment and our relationship and our devotion to God. Ruth's kindness to her mother-in-law. In the Bible it says, it's your kindness that leads us. To repentance, O Lord, knowing that you love us. And you know what God does? In chapter 4, he completely restores Naomi by giving her Obed. Naomi is redeemed. Naomi's daughter-in-law was redeemed by their kinsmen. And as a result, Naomi benefited from it. Naomi, who came in empty-handed, was now the mother-in-law, the mother to this rich man, this wealthy man, this well-known person in society. Naomi's position was elevated. Her daughter-in-law gave her a son. And Obed, did you know that Naomi's children, Milan and, and her other sons, their names meant weakness and sickly. Weakness and sickly. She had two weak and sick. She had children who were weak and sick. And see what God has done. He removed that. And we felt sorry for her. And what did he do? He said, I want you to raise Obed. Because in Obed lies the seed. God has completely restored Naomi. Her Ruth was better than seven sons. And in seven in Bible times, means completeness. Currently, we live in a broken society. On Friday, we were asked, why is gender-based violence increasing in our country? And we had answers, possible answers. And you know, when I went back, I thought of it. And I realized, I think as mothers, it comes back to us. Because we are the people raising those sons. We are the people. So what happened? Did we come so exclusive in our care and nurturing 
that I'm only concerned about my four. And don't add to me still more. I'm just concerned about my four. I can just cope with my four. Have we become so indulgent that we don't discipline our children? That because, no, no, they can call Yelpline, Lifeline Yelpline. They know the number. So I won't bother to beat them. Yilda, are you? Yeah. But you see, I realize that as mothers, we need to be the change agents in the society. I was reminded, I grew up in Cape Town, but I was reminded, I think a change in South Africa's politics came when the women stood up and they marched. In America, we have when Roswitha, when she stood up, the Rosa, she said she will not give up her seat to a white man, not out of disrespect to him, but she came from work tired. And she made that declaration. When the woman stands up, what happened in the Bible? When Jesus was raised from the dead, the first to see him, he revealed himself. The first he spoke to was Mary Magdalene. Women, we need to rise up. We need to change the way we speak. We need to stop accepting the bitterness in the society. We need to take up our positions and take on the role that God has given us as mothers. For this, we need to return to God to win the battles on our knees. I want to end off with the following. Stepping out in faith. I'm sure you also got this. The sixth word of Jesus on the cross in John 19, 13. He said, it is finished. I won't go into the nitty gritty of you, of the grammar of that. The beauty of the grammar in that. But it is finished. He said, he did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. You know that it is finished and it will continue to be finished. It indicates a condition, a state of being, a resting place. You know when you are in Christ, you can face the enemy and say it is finished. We don't have to focus on the circumstances and he can rant and rave there. But we need to speak it out. It is finished. Ruth made the declaration. I will go. I will follow. We sang it this morning. I will. Where you? I will. We need to change the way we speak. We need to return to God and allow him to bring our lives on the path he has set aside for us. Mothers, let us step out and declare over our children. God's provision, God's favor. Let us not just be exclusive just to our own children, but let us start praying for the children in the street. Let us start there. Pray for the children in your street. Pray for the children in your community. 
extend your prayers, open your prayer room to others. Be your Ruth who trusted and believed in God. I'm going to ask us all to stand. And then I want to ask that you must acknowledge where are you in your relationship with God. It's a time that you need to return to God. Velasco sings, I go on my knees. And I would like us, I'd like to play it. And while it's playing, it's just a minute long that we use that time and pray unto God to restore us to the Father. challenge you, find God. As we close, find God. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't wait. Don't miss out. Don't do life without God. You will just end up in bitterness. A life without God is a life filled with bitterness. You can have all the money in the world. It will still not bring you happiness and joy. You can have everything your heart desires, but without God, it will have no value. If you need to know the Savior, if you would like to accept Jesus Christ, we have people willing to pray with you because we value your life and your commitment to God. Is there anyone, anyone who would like to give their lives to the Lord? You can raise your hand. Quick about this. Okay. Let us then close. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you 
because you are a good, good father. I thank you, Heavenly Father, because you are the one who changed the tides in our lives. I pray this morning, Lord, that you will forgive us. For too long we have accepted the bitterness. And we thought the bitterness was part of life. For too long we believed the lies of the enemy, Lord, that you are the one who punishes us and we deserve this bitterness. This morning we lay aside this bitterness, Lord, and we step in through the transformation that you have in store for us, Lord, being a child of God. Thank you that I am yours. Thank you that we are yours. Lord, I pray as we separate one from another, I pray that you will not separate from us. I pray, Lord, as we go, that your hand will be upon us. Lord, and that you will stir within our hearts a yearning so intense, Lord, to spend time with you. Time with you. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, as we come before you empty-handed, that you will fill us with your presence so that we can live the lives that you have in store for us. Pray that you will bless us and that you will go before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Juliet. We really appreciate you just yielding.